0: You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. It is Thanksgiving week. I am Alex Shane, here breaking down Patriots Jets, whatever the hell it was, with my good buddy Rich Hill. (laughs) Hopefully this podcast finds you all enjoying some either time off or doing absolutely no work at the office while you kill the clock, in anticipation of getting a half day on Wednesday and some good food and Thanksgiving fun on Thursday and Friday. Rich, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing well. I am doing well. This was a wild week. I feel like we say this every week, and this is probably a great sign for the league at how competitive everything is, but I think we're coming off of just, like, yet another very strong week of unexpected results. Like, obviously, offense is a little bit down, but, like, the games are as competitive as ever, and I feel like that's a good thing. Like, the 9, or I guess they were 8-1 and at the time. The Eagles had to mount a comeback against the Colts. The Lions upset the Giants, Uh, you know, cats hanging out with dogs. I, I think that the Patriots Jets final score might be the least surprising of all the things that happened this week.
0: It might be the least surprising final score, but how they got to that final score, I will debate you on how surprising that was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess let's just jump into it. Good call. I know we're all busy. We have Thanksgiving stuff to get to. So. I think that the Patriots offense is what it is at this point, Rich. We were all kind of hoping that the bye week, they'd install some new packages, which they actually did. You saw that that full house kind of running yep. scheme they, they tended to run, which we can talk about a little bit. But I think we were hoping for more than three points out of this offense. <laughs> um, on the plus side, I guess we start with the offense and that that Mac Jones act. you looked pretty good, given the pressure he was under giving them a little amount of time he had to throw. He was very efficient, no picks. Again, average nine yards uh, a, a completion. However, as much as I want to blame the O-line for how much pressure he was under, it's been 11 weeks now, man, you got to read that pressure a little better. You got to be able to step up more and just don't take these 12 yard sacks on like third yeah. and two. It's just killing these drives. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree that the offense is what it is at this point.
1: Like obviously there's some variance. They had those two missed field goals uh that were like if it weren't windy but also like probably should have been made anyways and then they had that fourth down uh that they pulled just like the worst oh. way out of the, the oh. hat for that one. Uh, but like they made it into relative scoring position in the jet side four times. And like that's not bad. This is a very good defense. You obviously want to get more than three points and so that's wildly disappointing. But like all in all, if if, if they you know had a little bit more here and there and they put up like they, you know, scored on more than one of the drives. I feel like we'd be like, all right, well, that was like a hard-fought, ugly win. But the three points is inexcusable. I love the new full house wrinkle. I think the biggest thing for me uh, is that the I agree with you. <laughs> is that This offense is just uh, not getting better. And I think obviously, like, Mac Jones has been feeling the pressure. The offensive line is in shambles. Uh, David Andrews is going to be out for more extended time. Uh, and then that just means that there's just a complete disaster at almost every position other than Michael and Wainu, uh on that line. And so it's, it's hard to fully evaluate Mac Jones when he's getting pressure in his face in just two seconds. But I, my, my big thing that like I will give Mac Jones credit for and the biggest adjustment I feel like we've seen on the offense is that I think those sacks, he is taking those to not throw interceptions. And I will take that. I I will let them, if if it means that he has to be sacked a few more times each week because he'll eat the interception ball, then I'll do that every single time. And I feel like that is a very real coaching point that they've
0: given him. Yeah. I mean, obviously, one of the things that Tom Brady had such a long career because he would A – Take sacks to prevent interceptions. And when he felt the pressure coming, he'd just go down a lot of times to avoid the big hits. Again, it's not in so much the sacks that he's taking, it's also just like the time that he's taking the sack. I mean, the, the perfect example for me, Rich, is I think Ramondre Stevenson had one of the plays of the game, that like 19 yard, five broken tackle run on third and six. Yeah, 16. that was wild. It was an awesome, awesome play. Borderline top 20 moment for my offseason countdown. Count we'll see how the season shakes out. But then they have first and 10 at like the 15. And then it's second and seven at the 12, then it's third and two at the 10 and they're in field goal range chip shot. And then holding call third and 12, 10 yard sack, fourth and 21 missed field goal. It's just leaving opportunities like this on the board like that. You just can't do that. When you have proven week in and week out that a successful new England drive in 2022 is 15 plays, 75 yards field goal. That's what we (laughs) did. That is what the Patriots do, and when you get those long drives to get in field goal range, and you take penalties and sacks to get out of field goal range on a windy day, like those are the times I really wish he just hucked it out or done something else. Just not taking so many so many yards back, and it's just it's really it's really difficult to to get any kind of momentum or flow going when that happens to you.
1: I completely agree. I completely agree, and I, I think that like. Of all of the negatives on offense, Mac is down the list on that. But, like, he yep. absolutely, like, there were a few sacks that, like, he was being hit by the defender at the top of his drop. So, like, there was nothing he could have done. It was really just, like, Kahuste and Trent Brown were terrible. Uh, and then, like, Ference just isn't it. Like, he he is a below-replacement-level player on that interior line. And, like, there's not nothing Matt can really do on that one. And, like, it's really up to Matt Patricia to call a different offense to account for that type of pressure. And honestly, it, it really does, I feel like, keep coming to Matt Patricia. And like it, it's not Mac Jones' fault. Like, or, And he's also not blameless, of course. But I, I think that there weren't those adjustments fully to account for the pressure that was in his face. Like, obviously, Mac Jones had an, like a relatively efficient day. But, like, three points is nothing. And it felt like every single time the Patriots were generating some sense of momentum on offense, they were stringing together a couple really positive plays. He would overthink it. Patricia would overthink it and like be like, okay, we, we got these big chunk plays on like, you know, a big pass here and like a check down to Ramondre that picked up the yardage. Like, let's run it up the gut for negative one yards on first down. <laughs> it's just like cool. that, that feels like those unforced errors that the Patriots have historically waited for opposing offensive coordinators to make. Where it's like, don't don't call the offense that you think like, it's going to catch them off guard. Ha <laughs> ha. Like it feels like that's what Patricia's trying to, like he's overthinking things when there are very clear things that are, and have been working against like the jets in the game. There were things that were working. And then you go back to running behind your shoddy offensive line. Like that is down to like their fifth offensive tackle due to injuries. And like, obviously they're not getting any yardage on it. And obviously they're setting up really bad second down plays. And I think like, on average, when the Patriots run the ball on first down, they set up a second and eight. And when they pass the ball on first down, they're setting up on average a second and two. And to me, that's just a very clear split on like the Patriots are just wasting plays with their play calling because they're like really committed to setting up the run for some reason that like, yes, Stevenson and Harris are very, very good, but you don't need to do it that way. Like you you rely on them as like valuable assets in the offense and don't try to force something that just isn't there
0: it's true i mean a good example of that is the fact that i think the, of the running game yesterday uh, on sunday excuse me harris was the hot hand He was yep. running a little better uh the jets when, when Ramondre was on they 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 knew he was the the crux of the offense they were zeroing in on him they were swarming the line Damon harris was averaging like eight yards a carry uh so he only got eight carries Ramondre got 15 carries it's just these little things like that where like they're just not making the adjustments and it's like putting a square peg in a round hole they decide this is going to be the offensive scheme we're not going to pay attention to what the defense is doing. And you figure with a, a, a lifelong defensive coordinator, he'd have an advantage to be like, okay, here's a defensive scheme. Here's a, If I was on the defensive side of the ball, here's how I would counter that defense by making this adjustment or this adjustment, and they're just not doing it. They're obviously not going to do it. So I don't know how much more we could complain about it, Rich Hill. It's just it is what it is. <laughs> They're going to be in games late because the defense is phenomenal. And again, yep. credit to the Jets. It's not like the Patriots yep. were against some crappy team. The Jets are one of the best defenses in the NFL. They just took down the Bills. Josh Allen couldn't move the ball against them either. So you want to make sure that you you take that into account for sure. But it's just, if this is like an anomaly thing where the Patriots put up three points this week and then they put up 20 the 30 the weeks before, that's just not the case. They're just not going to score a lot of points. They're not going to get touchdowns. They're going to kick field goals. And hopefully this defense continues to play as well as they have because, They held the Jets to negative yards in the second half, which I didn't think was possible that you could do that in the NFL. I mean, say what you want about Zach Wilson and the ineptitude of the Jets offense. This is still a professional NFL offense that New England just absolutely dominated. And maybe the offensive play calling is such that the Patriots know the defense will keep them in it regardless so they can keep drilling things. I don't know, but thank goodness for Matthew Judon and crew because they are the real stars of this game. Oh, totally. Totally. And like on the offensive side,
1: last thought I have on that is like, if they bring out that full house play, love it. That's a great wrinkle. Bring in like, like, don't, don't try to make the offense something that it isn't, but that is a very good designed play that takes advantage of your two tight ends, which somehow, for some reason, the Patriots have struggled to figure out how to utilize over the past year and a half. That's a great way to use them, get them out of in space, out of the backfield, throw a wrinkle in the opposing team's face, where like you can have a power run formation there or you can just, you know, have a bunch of like four receivers out there. Like that's a great way to create separation. So like I would love to see them lean into that style formation. But on the defensive side, uh, Alex Judon, 13 and a half sacks on the year, third all time in Patriots franchise history. Uh, he he is on pace to very clearly set the the franchise record uh, over Andre Tippett, and he did not seem to be slowing down like he did last year. Dietrich Wise uh, has been a revelation this year. He has been not just solid, he's been very very good. Uh, maybe not Trey Flowers level, but like still very very good, and he's consistent and reliable. Uh, Alec, my question to you: This Judon Dietrich Wise. Defensive end combo, where does that rank of the Belichick era pass rush duos that we've seen? Because to me, this was not expected this year. But like, do I put it up there with like the the Chandler Jones Rob Ninkovich duo? Uh maybe. Is that crazy to say?
0: Honestly, I don't think so. I mean, you think back to the early Patriots defenses, you know, that that 4 unit was an absolute wagon. Um, you know, the Richard Seymour's <laughs> But, uh, you know, that team also benefited from an elite secondary, which I wouldn't call the Patriots secondary elite. I'd call them very good. They have very talented players in secondary. But it's not like they have Lawyer Malloy, Ty Law, Rodney Harrison out there just shutting people down with Hall of Famers. But the the fact that they were bolstered by that, the early units, this, I think, I mean, I don't think it's a, a homer take to say Matthew Judon is in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation right now. Totally. To um, which is absolutely phenomenal. And what I like about him especially is he's not just a menace in the pass rushing game. You see him dropping out into coverage. You see him setting the edge in the flat. Uh, what I absolutely loved and I was like screaming thank you at the TV yesterday was the Patriots finally used Mac Wilson as like the spy linebacker to prevent Zach Wilson from Making extra plays to his legs. He only had that one 14, 15 yard run. The rest of the time, he was completely stymied. Basically, the Jets had two plays. They had that, that, that Zach Wilson run and that 30 yard um, umbrella he kind of underthrew that Mims made the adjustment on. And that's yep. pretty much the entirety of the Jets' offense for the entire day. Two plays. Which is amazing. And you got to credit not only the front line for doing that, but I think the linebackers have made a really nice bridge between them and the secondary. I thought Mac Wilson looked great yesterday. I think Juwan Bentley had like nine tackles yesterday. Kyle Duggar is back in full sweat. So I definitely yep. want to give credit to Judon and Wise and those for that front line because they deserve all of it. But it definitely helps knowing they can pin their ears back a little bit and get after the quarterback harder and really commit to the run. When you have guys like Duggar, when you have guys like Mac Wilson who stepped it up to clean up any mess that might come out on the backside.
1: Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, I, I think that was definitely the Patriots' decision is to lean more on the linebackers, uh, and they rose to the occasion. I mean, like, typically you look at the Patriots' defense, and you're like, okay, uh, who is, like, are they, like, what are the five defensive backs? And, like, historically you've seen a lot of, you know, McCourty's obviously out there every snap, duggers out there for almost every snap, and then Adrian Phillips. Uh, it seemed like the Patriots made a very intentional decision to kind of like ramp down Adrian Phillips's snaps a little bit. Uh, and then like they elevated, like Tavai ha- played almost half the snaps out there. Uh, Mac Wilson, to your point, like he played like 30% of the snaps. It seemed like the Patriots were relying more on the linebacker linebackers versus the safeties. And I think it's because they wanted to ensure that nothing was happening in the run game for the Jets. And I think that just from a game script perspective, the Patriots were never in a position. I mean, obviously, it was like a 3 3 tie for the vast majority of the game. The Patriots were never in a situation where they felt like they could, uh, you know, go off uh, or like, you know, tee off on Zach Wilson by like going max coverage kind of a thing. But like that said, at the end of the day, uh, you removed Zach Wilson's three carries for 26 yards. Uh, the Jets only had nine carries for 10 yards. That's huh. like, that's wild. <laughs> like, can you, like, the Patriots did their job up front. They did everything that they could to set up difficult second and third down situations. I can't say enough about how great this defense was uh, because exactly to your point, this is still a professional offense of the jets. Like they, they didn't have Corey Davis. That's fine. But this is still a very much a real offense. Garrett Wilson has been one of the brights, like young receivers uh, coming out of the draft this year. And he had one catch for six yards and uh, outside of that Mims catch to your point, Zach Wilson had four completions for 31 yards. Like, uh, this, the Patriots just walked all over this Jets team, both in the run game and the pass game. Do you think that, uh, you know, they're coming off of two consecutive weeks where they've held their opposing teams to, like, you know, roughly 50 net passing yards when you factor in uh, sacks? You know, of course, Sam Ellinger, gives the Colts, and then Zach Wilson. But, like, even before that, they did it to Wilson the week before the Colts. Patriots are heading into a very tough stretch uh for the rest of the year what should we expect from this patriots defense was this like an anomaly due to just poor jets production or like what have we learned from this defense
0: yeah i mean i think can, is it reasonable to expect the patriots to hold the vikings to negative second half yards uh no I, I don't think that's the case but i do think it is reasonable to assume that the patriots are going to be in position to win games late uh for the bulk of the time i'm less confident they'll be even close to in it against buffalo coming up but uh, I think that other than the Buffalo games they have on the schedule, they will be in these games very, very late. I mean, it, I know it's only week one, but think about how dominant the Dolphins offense is. 13 points they held them to on the road in week one. You know, that that that, uh, that strip sack was for a, uh, not on the defense at all. So I think they have been very consistent in what they're able to do, limiting production. They're going to give up plays. The good players are going to make plays. I have no clue what they're going to do with Dalvin Cook and and Jefferson. That's going to be an interesting conversation for the second half of the podcast. But I I do think that as inept as the offense is at times, this defense is going to be able to keep the Patriots in games to the point where I kept saying to anyone who would listen, which was nobody because I watched the game alone, so I said it out loud. (laughs) uh, This game is basically going to be – there's going to be a team that makes a play in the defense or special teams – it's going to set the office up for a field goal. That's what I was, going to, I was going to end. There's going to be a pick, a Mac Jones pick or a Zach Wilson pick in opposing territory, and it'll be like a 6-3 game. I kind of figured that like halfway through the third quarter, you figured that was going to be the result. And that's because the defense is able to do it. And it's weird when you feel that you had the best chance to score points offensively when your D is on the field. Yep. So that's what it was for me yesterday.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. And I'll also correct myself, too. I was saying the the first half stats. Um, But the points all still stand that the the Patriots were putting their offense in the best situation to succeed. And that's been the story of the year. And that's why I don't think that what happened against the, the Jets here was or should be considered an anomaly, because the Patriots have had the best starting field position on offense in the entire league. That is not an accident. That is the story of the season. And the fact that the Patriots are struggling so much to convert that optimal field position into anything on offense, like any sort of offense production, means that it's a bit of a waste but also points to the fact that like we should probably expect this we should probably expect this moving forward because like that's what this patriots defense does they are uh without a doubt one of the top 3 defenses in the entire league they're number 1 by uh advanced analytics so dvoa expected points like all of those things i think they're number 2 in points allowed like number 4 in like yards allowed like they are unquestionably one of the top couple of defenses in the league part of it is due to them playing really shoddy offenses and like when they play two games against josh allen uh down the final stretch maybe that'll change where their rankings are but i i think that this is a defense that will be an offensive instrument for allowing field shifting to take place and something that we have to acknowledge is jake bailey placed on the ir so matt pallardy came out there as the punter that is like the combination is that i expect that the hidden yardage part of the game will continue to be more important down the final stretch as the Patriots used their punting game to flip field positions and why Jake Bailey kind of had to take a seat due to his injury because Mac Jones on the offense, not doing enough, but if you can force a three and out and then have a really great punt and then uh, you know your special teams unit, Marcus Jones, can have another electric return that'll maybe buy you 10 yards net and then maybe Mac Jones will you know get you another 10 or 20 on his drive and that's how you kind of flip the field. And and that's basically what the Patriots have been having to do. And if Nick Folk had connected on those field goals, we'd been like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. But I, I think that uh this defense is probably and unfortunately uh one of the better parts of this New England offense and scoring opportunities.
0: The defense is, but again, the 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 main offensive weapon for the New England Patriots, once again, special teams unit. Yep. Great transition, Rich Hill. This was probably the most exciting end to a Patriots regular season game since Kenbrell Tompkins show ponies. Where's the beef? I figured, I don't know how your kind of thought process was watching that, that Marcus Jones return. I thought like, all right, he's, he's going to break it. All right. I'll get to the 50. Just don't take a sack at 10 yards. Go for a long field goal. You have the wind. And he's like, Oh man, he's already in field goal range. All right. We, we might win this. And then I was like, Oh no, Mac Wilson, don't block him in the back. Don't Oh my block gosh. Him back. Yes. And then no flag. He was through looking at the replay. I think it was a good non-call. It looked like it was from the side, not from the back. So I'm glad they got that call. But, um, I want to be very clear that I'm thrilled with how that went. That was really fun to watch. I shouldn't come down to a late punt. I think it was a big bonehead play by the Jets. He just kicked totally. that out of bounds deep. I don't know why they even gave him a chance to field it. He had 15, 20 yards of, of real estate in front of him before the first jet even got there, but man, what a finish. And thank goodness for the Patriots special teams, because if that <laughs> unit, I don't know how many points they'd have this season, honestly.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, this, they've been exceptional. Like, honestly, like, Outside of the Patriots offense, this has been like one of the better seasons for the Patriots. Like this is (laughs) like not necessarily like the 2019 Patriots defense, which is like one of the best of the past, like 25 years, but like, it's a very good defense. (laughs) It's like one of the best jobs by the Belichicks that you can think of. And then the special teams unit, Marcus Jones, better revelation. He reminds me so much of Ellis Hobbs, not just from like a size perspective, but like, you know, potential upside on defense, but like that kick return ability is huge and the patriots need to be set up as best as possible because of their limitations on offense and in my head and maybe we can start pivoting into the game against the the vikings on thanksgiving is that if mac jones in the offense if matt patricia mac jones this offensive line those the three horsemen of the offensive woes are able to just be average i don't want them to be good i i don't even you know, average is is might even be asked too much i want them to be slightly below average If they can pull that off, if they can be slightly below average for the rest of the year, there's no reason the Patriots can't make some noise in the AFC and, you know, like lose to the Chiefs at some point in the playoffs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Rich, they won the game. They are now 7-4, and or 6-4, and excuse me. They have beaten the Jets 13, 14 times straight, and coming out of the bye, they're right more or less where we thought they'd be, right? I mean, other than the Bears game, which they should have won and they lost – we had them losing to the Packers, Dolphins, and Ravens. And so it's really hard to get too upset that they've got the exact same record we more or less thought they'd have. They're well positioned for a playoff spot. Uh, it's going to be a very tough road to hoe going forward, but it's just it's just frustrating because I think they, it's going to sound like a weird analysis, but they really have the offensive weapons to be a below average offense. They've got it. They have the ability to do that. And they just can't do it. Maybe they can find some offensive line help. I don't know. But, again, I think you're right. I think it is what it is at this point. And I think uh, we'll be happy. We've seen the Jets for the last time this season. Most likely that might have doomed the Jets' playoff hopes. We'll see. I'm not sure if there's anything else you want to talk about for this last kind of Week 11 matchup, or we can move on to the Thanksgiving Day game against the Vikings. Let's move on to this Vikings game. All right. Let's do it. Well, uh, let's do it all. Around the league first, that's what we do, Rich. Even though it's the same podcast, we can kind of go back and forth with this. I don't know if there are any games you're excited about uh, beyond the Thanksgiving Day games. The Lions and Cowboys are, of course, playing. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this, Rich Hill, but the last time the Patriots played on Thanksgiving night was 10 years ago, the butt fumble game. So it's yes. a nice little full circle that we've come, and I'm very happy about uh, <laughs> I was at game that particular? Game. And, oh, I mean, that's just one of the all-time great moments. I still say, to this day, the worst play in NFL history. I know someone would disagree with me saying that Colts' fake punt was worse, but I'll <laughs> take the one. Um, any games besides Pat, Pat's Vikings you're excited about this week? Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, Bill's Lions could be a
1: sneaky fun one. Josh Allen is very clearly banged up for the the Bills. It took him a while to pick up against the, the Browns last week, and this Lions team is coming off of an upset victory over a Giants squad that's like – Not bad. So I I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions kept that competitive to the first game on Thanksgiving at 1230 Eastern, Uh, then the Giants on the road against the Cowboys. Both teams are seven and three fighting for that number two spot in the NFC East. That's going to be a very competitive game. I think that'll be pretty fun. And so I I think you look across this team or across this week, six, four Bengals on the road against the seven and three Titans don't count out Tennessee, but the Bengals are really riding a hot streak. Chargers are five and five on the road against the four and seven Cardinals. Both teams are extremely banged up, but if they're able to be up full health, like that could be a highly competitive game. Three and seven Raiders on the road against the six and four Seahawks. If the Seahawks pull that off, uh, you know, McDaniels isn't going to be fired, but you know, it inch him closer to his return to the Patriots, uh, should <laughs> <laughs> that the Raiders continue not to improve. Uh the Rams on uh, Sunday afternoon are on the road against the Chiefs, which uh Rams have been terrible this year, but the you know last or biggest game these two played against each other in memory was that like 54-51 games. So that was pretty exciting. So a chance for that. Packers on the road against the Eagles. Uh, And then uh, it's all capped off with just a, a, just a terrible, terrible, terrible Steelers on the road against the Colts matchup. So uh, the the entire week is pretty exciting up until that Monday night game.
0: Yeah. I mean, one big benefit, I am not a fan of Thursday night football outside of Thanksgiving, but one big benefit about playing on Thanksgiving or a Thursday night, I should say is that it's a great red zone channel day this week. You put on red zone channel and you just watch all the exciting plays. I wouldn't call any of these, um, Sunday Monday games like massive rivalry games there aren't like these like maybe the, the Rams Chiefs could be a potential Super Bowl preview I don't think so but um I, I, I this, is a, this is a good game just do good day just kind of sit recover from the turkey coma and just watch some good football and hope nobody gets hurt and get some some fun scores uh but again Rich it's a very interesting day of Thanksgiving game I think Thursday is actually the most exciting day of football this yep. weekend I agree Bill's lines might be sneaky good Giants Cowboys might be sneaky good and Patriots Vikings up until Sunday evening I thought would be a more definitive Vikings victory than initially planned, but they just got absolutely spanked by the Cowboys. I mean, it wasn't even close. Four to three wasn't even indicative of the final score. I think in my opinion, it wasn't even remotely close. It was at home and the Cowboys who came in and just handed them their lunch they're looking to bounce back pretty big on this one. But the question I guess I have is, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Vikings football beyond just highlights and watching them win really close games and being quote unquote the worst eight and two team in the NFL, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> I'd be very curious to see if the Vikings are looking to bounce back really, really strong with a dominant nationally televised performance against the Patriots to shut everybody up, or they're still going to be reeling from that beatdown and the Patriots can sneak one out.
1: Yeah, I mean the biggest thing with this this Vikings team is that they are very much punching above their weight. Uh their point differential on the year, uh when you like obviously the Cowboys beat down plays a big part of it, but they have a negative point differential. They're at negative 2. And at that that indicates that this is more so a 500 team. And so they have they are scoring or ranking well above what they actually should be at from a a win rate. And like you you can understand why uh, that Lions, you know, they just are coming off of a string of a bunch of one score games that all went in their favor, like a four point win over the Lions, three point win over the Saints, seven point win over the Bears, eight point win over the Dolphins, eight point win over the Cardinals, three point win over Washington, three point overtime win against the Bills. That should never have happened if, if the Bills didn't have their own butt fumble. Like the, the Vikings have been playing on borrowed time. And it all came to head against the Cowboys. I would not be shocked if the Patriots were able to continue that trend because you look across this team, uh, their defense is really bad. They have the worst rated red zone defense in the entire league. So hopefully that'll uh, indicate good things for the Patriots. They rank 29th in yards allowed. Uh, and 27th per drive 21st in points allowed per drive this is in general a bottom 10 defense uh they are particularly bad against the pass uh they rank 30th in the league uh in net yards allowed per attempt so this is a struggling secondary this is a team that does poorly in situational uh football you know they're in 22nd and third down defense as well uh this could be the remedy for the Patriots' offense, especially for all of the challenges New England has faced against, like, you know, a very good Jets defense. I think that this is a game that the Patriots can and should write the ship on offense. And it'll come down to how legitimate is this New England defense? Uh, or have they just been a paper defense playing against really bad offenses?
0: Well, Rich, this, this funny thing about a bad defense is going up against a pretty bad offense. So something's got to give here. I don't know if the Patriots rank in terms of red zone offense. They have to be the worst red zone offense in the league, or at least. Bottom. The All Broncos right. are worst. All right. So, so <laughs> something has to give here. A very movable force meets a highly movable object, and we will see which one buckles first. So talking about this, you're, they're very bad against the pass, you said Rich Hill. Patriots are a, I think, a running team. The offense goes through Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers and pretty much nobody else. That's working for him. Do you see this as a change of pace? Will the full house kind of take a back seat because the passing game will work more effectively against the Vikings? Or do you stick with what you do best? You run the ball well, outlet the reminder Stevenson, and let him cook. What's your strategy offensively for this one if you are Matt Patricia?
1: Yeah, honestly, if I am Matt Patricia, I would probably replicate a bit of uh, what you did against the Jets here, which was a lot of quick passes, uh, trying to ensure that they have room to operate in the open field. I think that this will be another big Jacoby Myers uh, Ramondre Stevenson game, but I would love to see the tight ends get involved because like Harrison Smith still very, very good, but he he's 33. He's not the same player that he's been in the past. And so I think that the Patriots have the opportunity to pick on those safeties. Cam Dantzler is one of their starting quarterbacks who's out with a, with an injury. So like, this is not going to be uh, the secondary at full strength. They'll already be hampered. And so there should be opportunities for the Patriots against the secondary versus you look at who they're facing up front uh jordan hicks eric kendrick two like very solid linebackers daniel hunter very good pass rusher on the outside zadarius smith uh is you know uh, number two in the league uh or had been number two in the league in sacks like heading into last week so he's up there um this is a very strong defensive front harrison phillips one of the best nose tackles in the entire league so the strength of this vikings team is their defensive front and if i'm the patriots uh I would try and take advantage of the secondary with those quick passes. And I, I think that the Patriots have the personnel to be able to take advantage of it. It's just a matter of, will they do it or will Matt Patricia intentionally call plays that just go right into the strength of the opposing team?
0: I guess we will leave it up to the play wheel that he spins on every single round <laughs> and see what happens. Maybe the holiday looks with him. Yeah. I mean, like a look like we said earlier in the podcast, offense is what it is at this point. Uh, the, the, your point about the defense being bad, it's really just going to be out front again. Will Matt Jones have time to throw? And I'm not, scared. I'm not hopeful that because he hasn't had time to throw all season. But you never know. Maybe the full house package will operate some play action if they get the running game going early. I do like the matchups of the Patriots receivers against the Vikings secondary. Uh, I'm going to go with Devontae Parker as my offensive X factor. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is a day to go deep take a shot. Maybe Tyquan Thornton gets his first deep shot since he hasn't gotten, he's gotten maybe one all season. I'm going to go with Devontae Parker. I'd love to see him run a quick slant. I just, that that's a Christmas gift early for me. Just a quick slant to Devontae Parker for like eight yards on second and four. I would just love to see that play. Um, You don't see it, but if Devontae Parker can have a couple of those and like one good sideline contested catch, maybe a touchdown, uh, I think it'll at least point to me that the offense is doing something right. So we'll see. Yeah, I agree with that. I am I would stay in roughly the
1: same area. I, I think that the Patriots X-Factor will be whatever they do in the red zone. Uh, <laughs> c- can they can they actually score touchdowns? And Parker is a great option for that. He is there because of his contested catchability. My X-Factor is going to be Hunter Henry uh, because I, I think that the Patriots need a number three player to stand up. And in particular, he is the only player on the Patriots that have sh- has shown like, a reliable ability to score in the red zone. And he hasn't done it this year, but he did it last year. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if he busted out with a couple of scores here uh, as like the only option in the red zone for the Patriots against a a relatively weak secondary of the the, the Vikings. And uh, yeah, I I think that the Patriots need to score. They can't settle for field goals if they want to win because this Vikings offense can be potent. uh, And the Patriots need to be able to put up at
0: least 20 points if they're going to have a chance. 20 points. Oh, my goodness, Rich. I don't know what kind of – what you're smoking over there, but pass it this way. <laughs> I'd be very happy to see 20 points happen. Uh, so you, that makes like, – to me lead to believe, Rich, on the defensive side of the ball. We are not going to see another repeat of the Jets game where the Vikings is going to be able to score points and the Patriots have to basically score. They'll, they'll, the Vikings are, are good for 17 points, you'd say, and the passing doing do like 2017. Is that, that a reasonable thing to say? Uh, Yeah. Honestly, I, I think that's very fair. Well – Uh, All right. I don't know how I feel about that because Kirk Cousins is, I don't know, is he an underrated quarterback? Is he a properly rated quarterback? He's a very hard (laughs) guy to get a read on. I don't know the answer to that question. They have a very good running game in Dalvin Cook. They have one of the best receivers in the game in Justin Jefferson. They are efficient. They they move the ball well. Uh, I think they're going to score points on this Patriots defense. So this really is a strength on strength matchup. Uh, what are you taking away if you're Bill Belichick? What's the big weapon? You want to limit Dalvin Cook and force Kirk Customs beat you through the air? Yep. You, you, are you okay giving up gate yards on the ground and not letting Jefferson beat you deep? What's your big weapon you want to take away if you're a Bill Belichick on this defense?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a balanced offense. Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the entire league. He's extremely consistent out there. Uh but the offensive line of the Vikings is extremely banged up. They're coming off. I think Kirk Cousins was pressured like 60% of the snaps uh, of his dropbacks against the Cowboys and they lost their best offensive lineman. So uh, that's not going to be good uh, for the Vikings. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots try to sell out to uh, try and like protect the pass to ensure that Justin Jefferson doesn't break out uh, because he is the engine of this entire offense. He has 105 targets on the season. Uh, that's, so many. <laughs> he has over <laughs> a 1,000 yards already. Uh, Dalvin Cook is obviously like going to get opportunities out of the backfield, but I-, I would expect the Patriots in like a standard defense to be able to contain that running game at least a little bit. Where the breakdowns can and would happen are in the secondary against Justin Jefferson. And uh, you add in Adam Thalen, who is a very good wide receiver in his own right. He's definitely not producing to his historical levels at this point, uh, but he's still uh, like a very reliable number two. TJ Hawkinson, they brought him over from the Lions at the the bye week or uh, sorry, at the trade deadline. He has integrated pretty well into this offense. And so tight ends in this offense actually do produce a lot across Irv Smith, TJ Hawkinson and, and Johnny Munt. Uh, the, the three of them have combined for like 75 to 80 targets over the course of this year. And so that's, you know, eight targets a game roughly. And so this is a team that distributes the ball very well in the passing game but the focal point is Justin Jefferson. And to that end, Devin McCourty is going to be my X factor. He had yeah. a dropped interception against Zach Wilson, but he is absolutely going to be that player deep down the field that will be expected to make sure that Jefferson doesn't have that breakout game that he had a couple weeks ago uh, against the bills when he had, you know, like almost 200 yards. And uh, if he is Devin McCourty is able to provide support over the top, limit Jefferson to like under hundred yards. I think that the Patriots would be in a pretty good situation to keep this game, not just highly competitive, but in their favor. All
0: right. I like that. Maybe different McCordy is the safety help with Jack Jones. Jonathan Jones, one of the Joneses on him, one-on-one with safety help. I see that, but again, there's just so many weapons, as you mentioned, and t- t- tight ends have been the Patriots' Achilles heel for a long time. Hawkinson is a good tight end Uh, And that's why I think the the combination of the play action, the running back coming out of the backfield, Dalvin Cook can catch the ball. It's not his super strength, but he's a capable receiver. Those little short wheel routes, that's so why I'm going to go with Kyle Duggar as my X factor. I think he's going to, hit, he's going to have a big day against Dalvin Cook and whatever tight ends coming off the, the, the chip lock or the roots. Uh, he's going to have to kind of hold together the offensive uh, defensive line, excuse me, and the secondary. I want to see Kyle Duggar do good things. He's got a big, big job ahead of him. It's not like he's got like one good player to worry about. He's got a good running back and good tight ends to worry about. So, a Duggar, Adrian Phillips, or Brill Peppers uh, should be a big day from those guys. Oh, totally. And I mean, the Patriots—they played Hawkinson earlier
1: this year. They held him to one catch for six yards when he was with the Lions. And so, how did the Patriots do that? A uh, little bit of Adrian Phillips, a little bit of Kyle Duggar. They definitely brought in their their coverage ability out there. I would expect them to do some of the same. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that this game is set up for the Patriots to be fairly competitive. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that the Patriots. My X factor—I uh, you know I said this is going to be McCordy. I think that the Patriots' safeties in general are going to be crucial because of just the strength of this Vikings team. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the Patriots, that's, those are their best players. <laughs> you got to rely on your best players to stand out. Matthew Judon playing against this weak offensive line of the Vikings, as well as Kyle Duggar. Those are your best two defenders all year. Uh, and, and I think that those players should continue to step up as well.
0: They should. We will soon see. game is a couple of days away, Thanksgiving night at 8.20 p.m. Uh, Rich, let hit the predictions here. All right. I think you get the choice. I do. Uh, we both had the Patriots winning, but I had it a lower scoring game. I'm not overly proud of it, but but I'll take it, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> again, this is an interesting game. I really thought the Patriots would lose this game, but then the Vikings just stopped playing that well, and they just got spanked. Uh, I'm still taking the Vikings to win this one, though. I think the Vikings are at home. They're coming off a pretty embarrassing loss they're playing on Thanksgiving for the first time since who knows when they're going to want to make a statement game i still have zero faith in the patriots offense i don't think the defense is capable of holding this vikings offense to three points for an entire game i think justin jefferson gets behind the defense once and it's something like 17 to 7 vikings 17 to 7
1: oh boo i disagree yeah. with you Um, this will make it easy for us. I'm going with the Patriots on this one. Coming off of a short week, Vikings just got absolutely annihilated by the Cowboys. I think that they have been punching way above their weight. I think that the Patriots have been underperforming, but I don't think they're as bad as what they showed against this Jets team. I think that this offense has shown and like they did show against the Jets so they can move the ball against a very good team. They just weren't able to finish it. I think that they will be able to move the ball again and be able to finish it because this Vikings team is very bad. I mentioned, you know, 20 to 17 earlier. I think it'll be a little bit easier than that uh, or not easier, but I think that the Patriots will win this one 24 to 17.
0: Oh, 24 points in the Patriots offense. I will take that all day. It'll be a Christmas, it'll be a festivist miracle if that happens. <laughs> Hope you're right, Rich Hill. Well, that's all I got for our pre-Thanksgiving takedown. Anything else you want to talk about? That's all I got. Until next time, have a good one. Do Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.